from Tokyo, Japan, and Changsha, China. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. Des Morgan is back in the room. I am, and how are you, Skip? I'm hanging in there, Des. Great to hear your voice. And good to hear your voice too, Skip. I see that you and Samantha have really been holding down the fort while I've been away. Yeah, we have been managing. How was your trip back to Scotland? It was good. Perfect blend of holiday and a bit of work. Oh, that's great. You know, maybe for our listeners who are not familiar with your situation, why don't you tell us what you were up to? Sure. The teaching position I hold is with a Scottish university. They in turn have an exchange program set up with the university here in China. So I teach here in Changsha for most of the year. And then I get to go back to Scotland every couple of months to visit family and, you know, go and visit the university in Scotland. And you've just returned recently from your winter trip home. <laughs> That's right. And how was it? It was fine. No major troubles in the flights in either direction. And it was really nice to be home, spending time with the family, of course. Good to hear. I guess the highlight of my trip was a really quick visit that we made over to France and to Disneyland Paris. You mean Euro Disney? It's just called Disneyland Paris these days, but I enjoyed it, which I was a bit surprised by. <laughs> yeah, personally, I am not very much into amusement parks or waiting in long lines. Neither am I under most circumstances, but for some reason, I found this experience quite good fun. Well, I am glad that you had a great trip and that you are now back. And I'm eager to get down to business. Great. I understand we have a bit of a mea culpa to perform. From the last episode we worked on together back in December. Mea culpa is too strong. However, we do have to clarify what we reported on in D2B 292, Economies Across Europe, which was released on December 27th last year. And in that episode, when we were focusing on the German economy, we reported that the reason energy prices were so high in Germany was because Russia had cut off natural gas exports to Europe. And we were quickly chastised by a listener for reporting wrong information, that Russia had not cut off gas to anywhere in Europe. Specifically, what we said was, Russia cut off natural gas exports to Europe and Germany themselves put an embargo on Russian oil imports. That is not quite the case, is it? No, it isn't. But in all fairness, the focus of the report was on the struggles European economies are facing, not on Russian gas exports. Regardless, though, the listener was technically right. Russia did not cut off gas exports to Europe. Even as we speak today, some Russian gas is still making its way to the EU markets. But there is a lot to this topic. And I thought it would be very worthwhile for us to report on today. 
great idea. Let's clear everything up. Let's get D2B down to business with Russian gas exports to Europe. Let's start out by clearing up our reporting error. Yes, let's do that. We erroneously said that Russia had cut off gas exports to Germany. And that is not the case. Not exactly. What we should have reported was that Germany no longer imports gas from Russia. And there is a difference in those statements. Yes, there is. Technically. Technically? You sound hesitant about that, Skip. <laughs> well, my apologies. Technically, Russia did not completely cut off their gas to Germany. But let's examine why it is that Germany no longer imports gas from Russia. Well, obviously, it's related to the EU's support of Ukraine. That is at the heart of it, yes. But even now, with the conflict in its second year, Russian gas is still being exported to the EU, though at a much lower volume. But not to Germany. Tell us more about that. It's important, Des, to understand how dependent Germany and the rest of the EU was on Russian gas prior to February 2022. It was substantial. I do know that. In 2022, roughly 25% of gas imports to the EU came from Russia. And Germany itself imported 55% of their gas from there. And that's no longer the case. No. In 2023, Germany's imports of Russian gas stood at zero. And according to calculations done by Reuters, pipeline gas from Russia to the EU was down 56%. And what was Reuters basing their calculations on? On data from the European Gas Transmission Group, NSTOG, as well as Gazprom's own daily reports on gas transit via Ukraine. But Russia did not cut off Europe or Germany from their gas supplies. No, they didn't. So what happened? How did it get to this point? Well, even before the conflict in Ukraine, there were concerns about Europe's heavy reliance on Russian gas. Critics argued that it gave Russia too much leverage over Europe, potentially threatening the EU's energy security and political autonomy. I do remember that even Donald Trump chastised German President Angela Merkel about it at a G7 conference at one point. <laughs> yes, that was back in 2018. And in essence, Trump was right. Because after Russia invaded Ukraine, they definitely tried to leverage Europe's reliance on their gas exports. And how did Russia go about doing that? As you may recall, Immediately after the war started, the US and EU, along with many other countries, placed economic sanctions on Russia. I do remember that. Some of those sanctions denied the Russian gas giant Gazprom access to the SWIFT banking system and froze their accounts in Western banks. So, in other words, Gazprom couldn't get paid for their exports. That was an immediate impact. So, on March 23, 2022, 
Russia announced that payments would have to be made in Russian rubles. As opposed to euros or US dollars, which I would assume the contracts Gazprom had with European customers would have been denominated in. That's exactly right, Daz. But paying in rubles would go against the sanctions the West had put in place. Ah, of course. So most European countries refused to pay in rubles. They did. In response to their refusal, Putin came out with what is known as Decree 172 on March 31st. He declared that starting the very next day, April 1st, Gazprom customers would be required to open two accounts with Gazprom Bank, a subsidiary of Gazprom. One account would be either a euro or US dollar denominated account, and the other a ruble account. Ah, I see. So foreign customers could then deposit their payment in euros or US dollars. Then the Gazprom bank could exchange the foreign currency for rubles and deposit them into the ruble-denominated account. Precisely. In this way, Gazprom could get paid and European customers could circumvent the sanctions. Yeah, pretty good move on Putin's part. Putting the war aside, it wasn't very realistic to expect Russia to keep on supplying gas to Europe without being paid. I agree. But that was not the reaction from the EU. <laughs> no doubt. Most countries flat out refused to follow this scheme. And one by one, Gazprom started to reduce or in some case completely stop the flow of gas. Poland, Bulgaria, and Finland, they all had stoppages. So Russia did cut off the gas to Europe? Yes, but only after they hadn't been paid for their product. The gas was still available to those countries if they paid in rubles. And what about Germany? You know, Germany was definitely looking at whether or not they could use this Decree 172 to get around sanctions. At the time, their economic minister, Robert Habeck, said that it might be possible for Germany to comply with it. That is a little surprising. But he was quickly shot down by the European Commission, who said if the end result was paying for Russian gas in rubles, it would not be in line with the sanctions. Ouch. And what a terrible spot for Germany to be put in. And it got worse. You must, of course, be referring to the Nord Stream pipelines that run under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany? I am. Are you familiar with what happened? Somewhat. I do know that almost all Russian gas to Germany went through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. And the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was on the verge of being completed? It actually was completed at the end of 2021. But Germany stopped the certification process when the conflict started in Ukraine. I did not know that. But in any case, both pipelines were damaged in a series of mysterious explosions in, when was it, September 2022? Yes, that's when it was. And that right there, Des, is the main reason Germany does not import any gas from Russia. It's not because Russia cut them off, but 
the main artery to supply the gas was severed by that explosion. Do we know what caused those explosions or indeed who was responsible? I know there have been many accusations thrown around. To date, there have been three independent investigations, one by Germany, one by Denmark, and another by Sweden. Each of them point to sabotage on someone's part. But there has been no public statement as to who they think was responsible. And where do things sit today in early 2024? As I mentioned before, Russian gas is still making its way to European markets through other pipelines, as well as in liquefied natural gas via sea shipments. But the EU as a whole has done a remarkable job weaning itself off of Russian gas. Norway has replaced Russia as the EU's biggest pipeline gas supplier, and liquefied natural gas imports from the US have surged. Regardless, though, high energy prices are still an issue in Europe. Importing natural gas from the US does not seem to make a great deal of sense when there are vast quantities of natural gas right next door in Russia. There is no doubt about that. And on that note, I think it's time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. The first item on down to vocabulary today is the verb to chastise. When you chastise someone, you scold or speak to them angrily. It's a form of criticism that you give someone because you hope they will change their behavior or action. In the introduction to our report, Skip mentioned how he and I were chastised by a listener for reporting that Russia had cut off gas exports to Europe. In other words, I was telling Des that we had been scolded by a listener for not being accurate in our reporting. <laughs> you know, which kind of sucks because we sincerely do our best to be accurate. Well, don't feel too bad, Skip. You know what they say about mistakes? No, what do they say? Mistakes are proof that you're trying. <laughs> okay, I will keep that in mind. Could you give us a business example uh, using chastise? Sure. Consider a situation where the board of directors of a company might chastise the CEO. This could happen if the CEO made a decision that led to a significant drop in the company's stock price or had damaged the company's reputation. Yeah, I wonder if Elon Musk has ever been chastised. <laughs> what are you talking about? He is chastised every day on X. <laughs> I suppose so. What's the next word on our list? Next up on down to vocabulary is the word leverage, which can be used either as a noun or a verb. Not to mention it's a very high frequency business term. As a noun, leverage is the ability or the power to influence a situation. In our discussion, I reported how some critics thought Europe's dependence on Russian gas gave Russia a form of leverage. 
What Skip meant was that those critics were worried that Russia had influence over European decisions due to their need for natural gas. And as a verb, when you leverage something, you are using it to gain some kind of advantage. A little later in the report, I explained how Russia attempted to leverage its gas exports by demanding payments in rubles so that they could avoid Western economic sanctions. As I said, leverage is a common business term as well, especially in the field of financing. What do we mean by financial leverage? Financial leverage is when you borrow money and invest it in something that you hope will bring you a higher return than the cost of borrowing. Can you give us an example? The most common example is you borrow money to buy a house and then you turn around and rent that house out. If the amount you can charge for rent is more than your monthly loan payments are, you're in the money. Great example. What's our next word? Our next and final item on Down to Vocabulary today is the idiom to be in line with. This expression means to agree with or to match a certain standard or rule. Just imagine how soldiers all stand in line with each other when they are marching together. Everyone is moving at the same time or are in line with each other. And that is a really good mental picture. In our report, Skip told us that the European Commission made it clear that buying Russian gas using rubles was not in line with the economic sanctions that were in place at that time. In other words, it would not match the rules. Can you give us another example, Skip? Imagine your company is developing a new product. Before you launch it on the market, you need to be sure that it is in line with government safety regulations. Absolutely. Just imagine how much trouble you'd be in if it wasn't in line with safety regulations. Would you like to help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills? Be sure to follow D2B on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, leave a rating and a review and tell everyone how much you enjoy the show. And that is our report on the state of Russian gas exports to Europe. I hope we've managed to clear things up and our apologies if we misreported something in D2B 292. That is very gracious of you, Des. But we should take this opportunity to mention that the goal of Down to Business English is to help listeners expand and activate their business English vocabulary by discussing business news. That is indeed our goal, yes. And we put a lot of effort into researching business topics and we do our best to get the facts right. But if we make a mistake, it is not intentional. Yeah, I do hope that's obvious to listeners. But at the same time, we appreciate errors being pointed out. Like you said, Des, mistakes are proof that you are trying. They are. <laughs> <laughs>
DTB members, the bonus vocabulary for today's episode will be released within the next 24 to 48 hours. So please be sure you're subscribed to your members-only RSS feed. The five additional words and phrases we will be focusing on are to hold the fort, to erroneously do something, autonomy, to circumvent, and to wean off of something. All very high-frequency business words and phrases. You don't want to miss out on that episode. No, you don't. So, if you are a D2B member and are not subscribed to the member-only podcast yet, just go to your member account on the D2B English website and get your member-only RSS feed. Copy and paste it into your favorite podcast platform and never miss the D2B member-only episodes. And if you're not a D2B member, do consider becoming one. As a member, you will get all of our bonus content material along with access to the audio script library. To become a member, go to d2benglish.com forward slash membership and sign up. That's d2benglish.com slash membership. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.